Welcome to the Scott and Mena's podcast. We're coming to you live from Lower Westchester in New York. And um, tonight we're going a little bit back in time. Um, many people will remember a time about um, 2004 to 2008 when the vagina monologues hit the scene. Uh, first in places like New York and and L.A. and then all over the world. And uh, I want to talk to to you, Manaz, about your own iteration of the vagina monologues that you did uh, some 10 years ago, I think 2007, 2008, called aptly titled The Muslim Monologues. And you remember a little bit about, we're going to, we're going to play your piece that you did here in just a minute. Do, do you remember, um, how you came to to write them who inspired you to do it um <clears throat> sure so i was um when i was living in los angeles uh after i worked at loyola marymont and actually I, I worked at antioch university for quite some time on and off even in 2007 and 2008 all the way up till we left los angeles and moved to new york and their vagina monologues came to Antioch University and a lot of my students and faculty asked me to do a piece reading from the original uh, vagina monologues and I thought it was very interesting. I was kind of embarrassed to do it because I'm Muslim. I don't really, I'm not used to talking about. Do you remember what the spirit of the vagina monologues was at that time? I mean, I think it sort of evolved over the years, but. I mean, I th I think it was about coming out as a woman and talking about basically your vagina mm -hmm. and talking about your body parts in a way, um, using the vagina as kind of a vocal aspect of your body. So the vagina becomes the mouth of the woman's body rather mm -hmm. than the receptacle. So I think it was kind of a feminist move. Um, I forget the woman who came up with it trying to google but i can't <laughs> I, mean, I don't remember either by the time we listen to your piece we'll come up with that information um, um didn't you publicly perform this piece that we're hearing uh the recording of correct no i did not i did not record i mean i did not do this publicly i was going to do this publicly i wrote this piece myself um in response to the climate in the United States in terms of Muslims and I it's actually a piece that's both uh, creating uh, a critique of Muslims and their defensiveness about certain things in the world but also creating a very complicated piece about how the West is involved and how some Muslims see it so it, it's a it's actually it's got a lot of nuances um, if you know anything about Muslims and how they were feeling after post 9-11 but also up until today and what what's weird about this piece is that it's still very valid today so everything I write in this piece is actually not something I feel necessarily but I'm speaking for a whole kind of community at that time and what I was hearing Muslims talk about yeah, so I, I imagine you 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 uh, approached it slightly differently than the reg than the average person who was participating in the vagina monologues, right? Correct. It was more of a cultural thing. It was a response to a lot of polemic 
um, kind of debate about Islam in the West. It was a response to the apologetics, the defensiveness that we as Muslims have and have had. Um, But it was also a woman who was sort of speaking in a monologue. And in this piece, I pretend like someone's asking me questions, but there's no one there. All right, let's... um Let's take a minute and, and listen to the piece. It's not that long, and then we'll I'll ask you to to comment on what we hear. And this is um, you doing your Muslim monologue. No, no, no. That's not what Islam is about. And I'm not being apologetic. Islam does not sanction killing women. It does not abuse women. It does not discriminate. You know, Islam gave equal rights to women. Look at the time of Muhammad. Look at Khadija and Aisha. Aisha was the first literate woman. And Khadija was a businesswoman. The Quran states that women have equal rights. And no, no, I'm not being polemical. Look, have you been reading those sensational stories again? Muslim countries are civilized. We're progressive. Look at the art, the architecture, astronomy, poetry the Persian miniature paintings, and and the Taj Mahal. One of of the wonders of the world was created by Muslims. And you still say we're a static society? Look, we even had so much reforming countries after every single Muslim country was colonized. We didn't implement religious laws or Sharia laws. There's no country with Sharia laws. I mean, what do you mean? Our governments are corrupt. I mean, you with your Western ideals and values, you instill these people. That's why we're suffering. Ten million extremists, you say? Well, I mean, that's not really that much. Is it? You said women are being buried alive? Just a few cases. Yeah, I mean, just like the homosexuals being lashed. I mean, that's just, that doesn't happen all the time. Okay. Okay, I I admit, there are some problems. There are some problems. But it's not our fault. Look at the wars in the Middle East. I mean, why do you give all your money to Israel? What about us? No one cares about us. What do you mean, we're anti-Semitic? I'm not anti-Semitic. Well, I mean, look, they control the world. They have all the power. Why are we suffering? Now you say Sunnis and Shias are killing each other. The reason they're killing each other is because of Iraq, the war that you created. Never happened before. Look, we have some reasons for what happens. I can't talk to you anymore. You're anti-Muslim. I have to go and teach my class. It's actually some nice um, radio acting on your part, <laughs> to admit. And, and uh, of course, we're... We... Um, can frame the time frame by you know a lot of discussion of the Iraq war but uh, I'm just trying to think to myself you know how someone who's involved with Me Too movement would in a Muslim country or at least the thinking about Me Too in a Muslim country would react to that that piece just now well I mean you can only hear it audio but you know it's a video um by the way, Eve Ensler is the one who wrote the Vagina Monologues. I, I don't want to take away from her idea and her originality. But 
I think I'm responding to something that still goes on, even if it's about 10 years old. Um, we're in 2018 now, and it seems like the same issues are constantly in my face. And I teach Islam on a daily basis. I talk to Muslims and the MSA director. I mean, it's just crazy how the same issues are there. Like I said, I don't agree with everything I said, um, especially about Israel and Jews, because, you know, that's partly what I work on my whole life but I just wanted to give everyone sort of a slice of what it meant to be somebody who was constantly constantly questioned and was put against the wall every single day of their lives about justifying their faith justifying who they were their identity and you know it still goes on you think there's any um, changes happening anything moving forward well, I mean, I, I live in a wonderful world where, where I know people who are not, you know, pushing me against the wall. But if you go out in the street, it, I think it's it's worse. And we're living in a very different time politically in this country where we actually have implemented the Muslim ban, not so-called Muslim ban. Now it's a country ban. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a lot of pushback on Muslims and um, even in Europe. So I think there are changes. Um, the changes are not necessarily positive about Muslims, but the changes are also within the Muslim American community. I think we become smarter about how we talk about ourselves. I think we've become more nuanced about how, who we are. And I think we're, we, we kind of got over the shock, um, which is sometimes good and sometimes bad, because if you're not in shock, then you almost expect these questions. And then you have this sort of script that you have that you've built. And I think things change all the time. So I'd have to say, Overall, the prejudice against Muslims has increased, um, but but Muslim Americans especially have really developed a nuanced sense of who they are. Don't you think it's it's a high time that, um, and I know there are a few people here locally in New York that, you know, considering a, a woman's movement like um, Me Too, uh, to open the um, widen the tent so to speak and start bringing in women of different cultures be it Muslims, Jews even racial realities, African American Spanish I mean we're at a tipping point as you know uh, um, we're in the midst of a, a Trump presidency and um, some potentially misogynist uh, court picks for the Supreme Court and it's almost, um, at least from a liberal perspective, a, a little bit of a, feels like a war on women. And I think maybe it's time for the synergies of Me Too to become political, don't you think? I think so. I mean, I think one thing I want to correct you on, I don't think Me Too is a woman's, it's not a movement. That's precisely what it's not, and I think that's what's so brilliant about it. I think Me Too is an individual um, space and place for women to speak up who have been harassed, abused, experienced prejudice, racism, sexism in the workplace. Um, I think movements all kind of try to do that, but I think what's me, what, me, what makes Me Too so unique and specific is that I could, you know, list dozens of instances uh, that are individual to me 
and then I could have a million women share into that. Right. Whereas a movement has a mission um, and all kinds of things. And I think this, this me, the Me Too initiative is not excluding, and that's why it's brilliant, because it's individual. It doesn't have a face, it doesn't have a race, uh, it doesn't have really much to do with even just the United States. It has a global kind of nature about it. And I think that's the brilliance of I saw internet. A, I saw something on Twitter. It's sort of a simplistic um, notion about Me Too. It said um, it was written by a woman. And she said, her male friends said, so what is it now? Men should just be afraid of women constantly? And she said, well... We've been afraid of you for the last 5,000 years, so maybe it's if it takes this, you guys being afraid to straighten things out, maybe you should be. Well, I don't think it's fear. I think it's about consciousness and control and the realization that women are not just bodies, you know, that we are fully human and we have agency. And I think men have to just absorb that in a way um, I don't know why they can't, but I think that's what it's about, is that we are fully capable agents of every kind of capacity imaginable in the world. And not only that, we have the capacity to do multiple things at once, um, including motherhood, and also um, give the power to our kids to persevere. Well, this has been interesting, but I want to close on uh, referencing something that you mentioned in the monologue. Um, and that really has to do with what people should know about Islam in particular and the rights that are, I mean, regardless of whether they're actually executed in real life in, in Muslim countries, uh, besides the point, the, the, the rights that are executed uh, and given strength by the religion, how women are supported by the rule of law in societies that are based on the Quran. I mean, that's a huge question. You have to take a whole class with me to get those answers, and I do teach a class on women in Islam. But I'm going to say one thing, and and I think this will go for every person of faith or person has been brought up in a certain Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist environment, or even, you know, people who are secular. Religion is not something that comes to you. It's something we create. Um, it's the symptom of the society. It's not the faith itself. So the Quran doesn't walk up to me every day and say, hey, you know what? You have rights now. I have to look at the Quran as a whole, um, and people have to look at the Bible as a whole and the Torah as a whole. So I think that, just to say it quickly, answering your question is, people have forgotten that people have influence on religion. It's so important, and it's such a profound aspect that we have lost in our society, that people have influence on religion. Religion has no influence on people. It's been interesting, and um, we'll leave it at that. Uh, join us next time. Scott and Minaj podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.